welcome to the Sports Grab Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. And with me in the studio, as always, is the sassy Reuben Williams. How are you, mate? G'day, Ryan. I'm very well. Thank you. I don't know what to say to that, but um, it's a pleasure usually to do this podcast with you, but... Today, we're just having fun, aren't we? <laughs> we are. We are. I, I, I was thinking, how can I make this a bit rogue to start? <laughs> and I thought, Sassy is, it's nowhere near you, I, I will say. Uh, but I'm glad it had the right effect. So, <laughs> how you. are you, mate? You I'm going well. well? I'm feeling sassy. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, if you want to learn a bit more about who we are, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. Or if you want to ask us any questions, jump into the Sports Road community. It's currently thriving. Uh, mm. We say that each and every week, but my God, some serious names are joining. Some serious organizations are jumping in. So it's very exciting at the mm. moment. Absolutely. Yes. Now jump in, check it out. And a special shout out to one of our members, Anantavir, who's thrown his hat in the ring to get involved in grassroots football this season, which we absolutely love. And he's joined the Coburg Football Club as the match vision analyst, which is just an incredible role to get your hands dirty mm. in a grassroots club that's going to give you an amazing amount of experience that you can leverage into the future. Yep. So well done, Anantvir. That opportunity is going to serve you so, so well. Uh, we look forward to following along and see how you go. But if you want to get your foot in the door of the sports industry or if you're an organization and if you want to hire some really quality people quickly and easily or just learn from the best in the industry, there really is something for everyone inside. So get involved in the sports grad community. We'll say the Coburg Footy Club is a bit of a factory. They are. It's Steven Asapati, I feel, is in the sports grad community as well. There's a, there's a few. I feel like it's a great mm. grassroots club to get involved with. Anyway, that's a bit off topic, but go Coburg. <laughs> uh, I will say, Rose, before we get cracking any further, Never. we've actually just hit, and this is big news, mm. we've actually just entered the TikTok this is, this is very exciting. Big news coming mm. from HQ. So if you are listening and you're into TikTok, uh, which I believe everyone is now. I know you're a big TikToker. Oh, yeah. You know me, mate. <laughs> Massive TikToker. Uh, give us a follow. Uh, it's sportsgrad underscore podcast. You will get plenty of content on, you know, behind the scenes, you know, what's happening with us, but also just some really useful information uh, mm. over on what we cover uh, week to week on the podcast. So give us a follow. We'd love to see you in the TikTok universe. Yep. Uh, it we is, can't wait to get involved. And it is a universe. It is. It's a different different game. <laughs> so uh, very exciting for us. But let's get cracking in the episode. Before we do, though, a quick message from our good friends at Deakin University. If you're currently studying or you've just finished studying, having a postgrad qualification in sports management on your resume, it can give you a huge leg up over potential candidates applying for that same role. So if you want to pump up your resume and get specialised knowledge in all areas of sport, take a look at Deakin's postgrad qualifications. Their Master of Business in Sport Management is not one of, but the best one in Australia, ranked at number one. So add a postgrad to your resume, and that's our tip for the episode. Uh, now, Rubes, big episode today. Um, I've got this question during the week, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll... I'll, I'll actually I'll read it out now because it, it came through the community and we thought this is a perfect question mm. that can be spoken about on the podcast. So I'll quickly read it out. One to answer for the masses. Absolutely. Everyone's probably thinking this. So I'll read it out for you. So it quotes, the last two interviews I've had, I've unfortunately been unsuccessful. The general feedback is I receive, sorry, the general feedback I receive is that other candidates just had stronger experience in managing people. 
what can I or others do in the future interviews to negate this? Something they mentioned was that the other candidate has a strong experience in managing direct reports, as I just mentioned. So how do you communicate your intangibles that others might not have? And how do you convince the decision makers to take that perceived risk on you for that role? Mm. It's a great question. Popular uh, question. Very popular question because, Ryan, I went to Deakin University during the week, mm. jumped on a panel with a couple of postgrads. Uh, and spoke to a class down there yeah. and I got a very similar question. It was along the lines of how do I win jobs in sport yeah. ahead of people who have got more experience than me? And, and this is what I said to the class. If you think of the AFL, for example, every year new kids are being brought through the draft system mm. and they're getting picked very early. They're getting picked from, you know, one to 150, however many draft picks they, they have. And they're coming into the club whilst people later in their career are being delisted and leaving. Mm. Some of those people who are leaving have seemingly more experience than and more talent, mind you, than the draft picks coming in. Yeah. But what those football clubs want is the future player who's going to be the best person in the competition. They want the future best player in the competition to be playing at their club. They want... Essentially, they're, they're playing to win premierships and they want to, they want to pick the people who's going to take them to their next premiership. Mm. Now, sporting organisations from an administrative, administrative point of view want exactly the same thing. They've got their own goals and they want the people inside the organisation who are going to take the organisation to those goals. Mm. And usually those goals take, you know, five, six years to achieve. You know, premiership, you can win every single year. So... Uh, there is the potential for students and grads and people with you know one to two years of experience to get picked ahead of people who have years of experience if they can display their potential to be the best long-term candidate for the job. Who's going to be the best candidate over the next five to six years? Uh, and you can demonstrate that you are going to be that person by leaning on a few things. It's all about how you communicate your mm. potential. So when you break down potential, things that, pr things that indicate your potential are qualities like your leadership ability or uh, your initiative or your creative thinking. And I'll go back to leadership. If you're going to be there for five or six years, even if you're going to be at a footy club for the next 10 years, they want future leaders. You, uh, the organizations want future managers who can yeah. look after direct reports. So that's why having an innate leadership ability becomes mm -hmm. really critical and a great indicator of potential. The other one is initiative. If you are a self-starter, if you can be productive at work on your own accord, if you can think of ideas and bring them to life without needing anybody else to tell you what to do, then you're going to make the lives of the people around you a lot more easy. Mm. The other one is creative thinking. So every organization talks about being progressive and innovative and bringing new ideas to you know increase what they do. That only comes from creative thinking. So if you can demonstrate that the way that you process information and solve problems is in a creative fashion, then people can um, you know, see how they can apply that sort of thinking to their organization. And then finally, the last one is emotional intelligence. You're going to, be ha you're going to have to work with other people. You're going to have to manage up, down, and around you. You're going to have to work in teams, large groups, across functions, you need to be able to have emotional intelligence so you can get on with your people at work. So if you lean on these four things, 
And then if you couple it with uh, previous results, so if you add numbers to the impact that you've been able to create, then you've communicated a very good point about your potential to be the best candidate over the next five to six years. So that's kind of what's at play here. It's it's a uh, it's human nature to uh, you know lean in and reach for the shiny object. You want to be that shiny object. You want to be, gosh, that guy could be so good for us in the future. We don't want to lose him. You know, sure, this other person who's got five or six years more experience, it's great. But, you know, this guy is a real young gun. We want we mm. want him to come in. We want to develop him. We want him to take our organization forward because the more experienced bloke, you know, he might continue to bounce around and do something else. So you are never out of it if you are competing against people older mm. than you and more experienced than you. But the way that you beat them is by communicating your potential to be the lo- best long-term prospect. Yeah. What I'll also say about this is like, how do you think anybody gets their first managerial role? So do, do you think, you know, of course, no matter what, if someone goes for a role that's a manager position, there's mm. going to be another person who's going for that role who has manager experience. Mm. So for someone to get that role instead of someone who already has that experience, they have to have shown their potential, what you've just spoken about. Mm. So keep that in mind when, when, when you're going for this role. It's like, well, how did anyone get this? How did anyone yeah. get their first manager experience? Yep. It had to be somehow. And they did it because they were really good at what they'd done before. Mm. So I think it's about you know doing those things you just mentioned, but just being honest but also really bullish about your potential and your ambition to get there mm. because – you know, it's not like no one's ever beaten another manager to a role before. Yeah. Um, if you can display that leadership initiative, creative thinking, mm. and have that emotional intelligence, then there's no reason why you can't beat someone out for that. Yeah. And, to, and like we're talking about the skill of managing people here, but you could do it for any sort of skill that you're being pulled up on where they're telling you you don't have enough experience. Yeah. But if you break down what's involved in that particular area, then you'll find that you've been able to demonstrate that in, in other particular areas. For example, you might say, yep, sure, I've never directly managed someone in my entire life. But if management of people means um, you know, understanding their workflow, being able to communicate well with them, mm. being able to project manage and make sure that our team is getting things done, then I've done that in a number of different capacities. I've played in team sports where I you know, had to work in a team environment or I have worked in group assignments as well where I had to manage a project and make sure things were being done before a certain due date. Um, there are other different things that you can kind of leverage to piece together direct management experience or yeah. whatever it is that you're falling short on. Yeah. I think the other thing to remember is, you know, t- away from the managerial side of this, like every skill is attainable. Yeah. Like every skill you can go and get, mm. go and find, you can learn. So, you know, if you can show that potential in you and you can show that you're willing to learn, mm. there's no reason why, you know, you can't do that. And at the end of the day, they're hiring for a cultural fit mm. more than anything. Yeah. You know, yes, there's some jobs that require a certain skill, which is absolutely fair. Mm. But a lot of entry-level roles are, you know, easily taught. You yeah. can go and learn those skills. So if you don't have exactly, if you've got eight out of the ten skills that they're looking for, that's okay because yeah. you can get those two by showing your potential to be able to learn them mm. and get there. And I think what you just said there as well about, um, sh- you know, saying you're willing to learn, 
that's a great lever you can pull on to give previous examples of your willingness to learn. Yeah. You might literally say, no, I haven't got this skill, but I'm a fast learner. I'm willing to learn. For example, in the past, in my previous job, I had never worked with Excel spreadsheets, for example. Yeah. But within a week, I was running functions and doing all these different lookup things that I'd never done in the past. Yeah. And I was off to the races and, and flying. And as a result, now I'm a gun on Excel. Um, so I think, you know, if you can, that's another great lever to pull on, just show mm. examples of when you've been able to learn quickly because yeah. that can correlate to what you're talking about. Yeah. It's all well and good saying you're willing to do it, but having the example of when you've done it yeah. is just that added, you know, bit of bonus. Yep. Awesome. Great episode, Rubes, as usual. <laughs> Superstar. Uh, if you want to chat to us or ask us any questions at all, find us on LinkedIn or jump into the Sportsack community. We'd love to chat with you on there. So head to our website to join or head to the link in our show notes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.